Hey everyone and welcome to another edition of the Jim and the King NFL podcast. I'm Jim, sitting in his war room is Denver Dave and we're here to talk about the NFL. Hello Dave. Hey, how you going? I'm alright mate, how are you? Dave Watch. I'm fine. I'm living the dream, you know me. <laughs> well, okay, so you're fully recovering from the COVID? Yeah, so um, I'm able to actually stand up and walk more than about five paces now without... That's pretty uh, much 100% then. Yeah, well, that's pretty much 100% for me. And I'm, I'm now up to nine paces, which is a joint personal best. Mm. Um, now I'm doing all right, doing okay, feeling more human again. Um, interesting thing on this, though, and you and I normally have a little chat before the pod, and I haven't actually told you this, but um, the, when the NHS, base, when you're test positive, the NHS basically ring you on a regular basis throughout your um, isolation. Okay. And they basically ring you and go, um, how are you doing? Blah, 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 blah. And, um, on Thursday last week, they rang me and said, okay, your isolation ends today. So I was like, oh, fantastic. So on, I knew we were going into tier three on Saturday. So I said, right, Friday, we're going to go out to a restaurant, um, somewhere that's child-friendly, have some to eat, blah, blah, blah. We did that. It was all great. Mm-hmm. And um, checked on my app just to make sure on Saturday morning that we, um, that we were in tier three or that kind of thing. And it says, you must self-isolate for two more days. Yes. So uh, officially, I came out of isolation today, apparently. Well, as long as no um, one knows. Just go, it just goes, well, the app, because I, I checked in in the restaurant with mm. the app. Mm. So uh, there's a good chance I'm going to prison soon. <laughs> but, uh, it was the NHS woman. She did tell me on the phone, you can go out tonight. Well, there's so, blame uh, there's a claim. So uh, Yes. And even, even then, we, because we had a newborn, we were still very careful when we went out. It just uh, mm. goes to show the nonsense behind all of this app business and the way it's been sorted. But... No political statements from me. It's just a bunch of idiots. So yeah, <laughs> not not too great, unfortunately. No, no but, politics. Uh, yeah. No politics. Nope, so we're, no, we're politics, all fully yeah. locked down now for Christmas. So thank you very much, uh, UK government, for that. Um, so this is the NFL Week 15 review slash Week 16 preview. Dave, we've got 16 games. Well, actually, we've got a bit of a miracle. It's 15 games to go through. Normally, yeah. we're uh, we're pushing for deadline, as they'd say in the journalism business. Uh, for a pod to come out on a Thursday. But we're actually recording this on a, a Monday evening before the last yeah. game of Week 15 has even been played. So by the time you guys I mean, listen to this, uh, I assume the Steelers have beaten the Bengals, but I, after what happened this week, I, mean, I can't guarantee anything. It has to be. If you're gonna, I was going to say, if you're going to skip any game, it would be this game. Um, <laughs> I, know, I know the Jets is obviously the game that everyone would suspect, but mm. you've had the Bengals number for so long. Yeah, you can't even. I can't see any way in which the you know the Bengals without um, the Bengals without their ace quarterback and a few starters elsewhere within the team are going to have any way of beating the Steelers. So we can do a review of the Steelers game immediately. It's going to be pretty much. I would say exactly as everyone's expect. Steelers are going to win by about seventeen. Uh, points and I think Juju Smith Schuster will get a couple of touchdowns. I think that's pretty much where it's going to go. Fingers crossed. Let's go all the way back then to uh, <laughs> last Thursday, Dave, and let's talk about the LA Chargers at the Las Vegas Raiders. So the Chargers snapped a nine-game losing streak against their AFC West counterparts and snapped a three-game skid against the Raiders. Las Vegas lost quarterback Derek Carr to a left groin strain earlier on. I had that bet last week to say that I thought that both quarterbacks would score a touchdown in either half. This is how yeah. you don't win the bet, is if Derek Carr gets taken out in the first quarter. So Yeah. Uh, the Raiders have lost four of the last five, all but killing their playoff chances just four days after firing defensive coordinator Paul Gunther. 
plus missing four starters on defense and having their offensive coordinator Greg Olson sidelined after testing positive for COVID-19. The Raiders lost Carr when he came up lame on a third down scramble in the goal line in the first quarter. Carr immediately went to the locker room and did not return. This paved the way for Marcus Mariota to face off against a fellow Oregon QB. Mariota's first drive ended in a touchdown pass to Darren Waller. This squared things up after Hunter Henry had scored on the Chargers' first possession. Herbert got a second touchdown pass before halftime with a pass to Tyron Johnson. In the second half, all touchdowns came on the ground. Josh Jacobs got a score. Kalen Ballard replied with one for LA. Michael Badgley missed two field goals between a Mariota tip pass, which was snatched by Chris Harris Jr., who Dave knows all about. The Raiders had a chance to win in overtime, but the drive stalled in the red zone and they settled for a field goal. The Chargers moved it back down the field, and on the third attempt at the one-yard line, Justin Herbert managed to convert a QB sneak and get the division win. The final score in Vegas was Raiders 27, Chargers 30. I think Mariota did really, really well in this game. Mm. Very, very impressed. Considering he's going to have had a lack of snaps in practice. Yeah. Um, we, I mean, he's got enough experience under his belt to where he should be able to learn a scheme and come in with relatively uh, sort of few practice snaps, so to speak. He would have been involved in walkthroughs and things like that. Um, but generally, I thought he had a good game. Um, the interception that was there, I mean, it's a deflective it was a tip. pass. And yeah. yeah. As... Um, as uh, Peyton Manning said, tipped passes that get intercepted shouldn't count. I say that. Yeah, <laughs> well, you and Peyton Manning, they're easy to mix up, you know. Yeah, exactly. And, um, but yeah, those, those themselves shouldn't count. But I think with the Raiders running the ball 26 times with Josh Jacobs and, you know, not really playing with any great game in the year, um, it was always going to be difficult for them to win this game just because the Chargers are very good at stopping the run have been for quite some time just because of the defensive defensive front that they have. It was a close game and um, the char- these are the games that normally the Chargers lose. Um, and uh, even still in this game, there was still a lot of nonsense going on with the Chargers. I mean, number of penalties that were there, there was, a, uh, I think, number of third downs. I think at one point they had to call a timeout on themselves because they had too few men on the field. <clears throat> been a theme throughout this season for the Chargers so it's a bit of a shame that you know the Chargers still continue to have the same old problems but um, you know wins a win and it makes a, everyone else in the AFC West look uh, a bit closer I think all three teams are relatively close in terms of how good they are so yeah it's a good game it's an entertaining game though yeah nice to go through to overtime but yeah you're dealing with two teams there that don't know how to close out a game um, yeah, I agree. There you go. So next game then, uh, we're on to Saturday. And uh, let's look at the Buffalo Bills and the Denver Broncos, Dave. So Josh Allen, who wasn't even born the last time the Bills won the division in 1995, ran for two touchdowns and threw for two more against the team that bypassed him in the 2018 NFL draft, despite his starring at Windy, Wyoming, just two and a half hours north of Denver. While the Bills have turned things around in Allen's three seasons, this loss secured the Broncos' fourth consecutive losing season, something that hasn't happened in Denver since the franchise's futile early days in the 60s and early 70s. Denver also became the first team ever to go five years without making the playoffs following a Super Bowl title. Josh Allen threw for 359 yards, hitting Stefan Diggs 11 times for 147 yards before he suffered a foot injury in the fourth quarter, and Cole Beasley eight times for 112 yards. After Allen's one-yard touchdown run to start the second half, cornerback Tredavious White strip-sacked Drew Locke on Denver's first defensive play, Defensive end Jerry Hughes scooped up the ball at the 21 and weaved his way through several Broncos to score. There were Bills passing touchdowns to Dawson Knox and Jake Kumaro, 
Drew Lock hit tight end Noah Fant for a six-yard touchdown toss with five seconds left in the first half. But Taylor Rossellino missed the extra point, subbing in for Brandon McManus. He also missed the 51-yard field goal attempt way to the right on Denver's opening drive. Melvin Gordon got two rushing touchdowns for the Broncos, but a Devin Singletary rushing touchdown ended the contest for the Bills. And the final score was Bills 48, Broncos 19. Yeah, the Bills are a better team, and I think it showed in the performance and the result. Um, it's not a huge amount to say to it. There's, I think the one thing that the Bills did really well is they came in starting a nickel formation, um, mm-hmm. which is point ba- where you basically put an extra man in the backfield um, and basically prevented Drew Lark from hitting any of his wide receivers. So going into the second half, in fact, it was very much Drew Lark throwing to uh, short routes to uh, the backs and to tight ends. There was almost nothing going to wide receivers. And if you look at the receiving stats, that tells you everything you need to know. Jerry Judy was the leading wide receiver with one reception. Ooh, um, yeah. But the Bills are a very good team. They're a very, very good team. Um, mm. And they, they beat us um, rather convincingly. It's, this is no sort of mystery to it. It's just the better team won on the day. So, yeah, it is what it is. Okay. Nothing okay. exciting. I'm, I'm going to this game now. I know you don't, listen, don't, no. I don't want to dwell on it. So, uh... well, I, I, I don't mind too much because when, when you get beat by a team because of a, a bad referee's call or you know, anything, when it's like that, you can, you, you, you can kind of hang on to it and go, well, why wasn't our quarterback allowed to play? Though, yeah. why, why were we made to play with a rookie wide receiver at quarterback? Those <laughs> are the things that annoy you. Yeah. When you get beat by just a better team, you just have to go, okay. Move on. That's, that's literally, you just move on yeah. with it and carry on. Yes, we've got another, um, yes, we have got a, you know, another losing season, but I'm not overly concerned with the whole five years losing seasons thing. That doesn't interest me. It's what we do now going forward. Um, this season, you can also write off just because of the whole COVID thing and the lack of OTAs and stuff like that and the amount of rookies, rookies we've got on. But there's a lot of things that don't warrant a free pass. Um, it's just this game isn't one of the ones we need to be angry about. There's a lot of other things this season what haven't particularly gone right. Um, but yeah, well done, Bills. They looked, they were deadly inefficient. That was it. They were deadly and efficient. We were deadly inefficient. <laughs> inefficient. <laughs> which tells you everything you need to know. Let's go on to Green Bay then for Saturday night's game. And uh, a fast start helped the Green Bay Packers overcome a shaky second half performance and remain on pace to earn the top seed in the NFC playoffs. Aaron Jones rushed for 145 yards and a touchdown as the NFC North champions reached the end zone on their first three series before hanging on to beat the Carolina Panthers on Saturday night. Aaron Rodgers threw for a season-low 143 yards, but produced a touchdown pass to Robert Tunyon, his 40th of the season, and a touchdown run for the Packers. That's Rodgers' 40th touchdown throw. Rodgers is the first player in NFL history to throw at least 40 touchdown passes in three separate seasons. Green Bay won its fourth straight despite getting outscored 13-3 and outgained 214-49 to yards in the second half. Carolina's Teddy Bridgewater was 21 of 35 for 258 yards with a touchdown run, but they also had a critical fumble. DJ Moore caught six passes for 131 yards and Joey Sly kicked three field goals. Training 14-3 in the second quarter, Carolina had a first and goal at the one when Bridgewater tried leaping over the line and Green Bay's Chris Barnes knocked the ball loose. Kevin King recovered the fumble and raced 48 yards before Moore brought him down. The Panthers had chances to tie this game, but the Packers saw this one out. The final score in Green Bay was the Panthers 16 Packers 24. 
It's, it's again a similar thing where the Packers were just a better team. Um, interestingly, the um, it news broke today that the Panthers have fired GM, their GM, um, which considering that he was part of a long-term project by drafting an entire defensive uh, defensive draft. Everyone in the draft was defensive. It seemed yeah. a bit of a surprise. Um, but no, again, it's exactly what I said before. You know, the, the Packers coming to the end of this season are significantly better than the Panthers. And they were deadly efficient. They, they got a lead earlier on and kept running the ball. And the thing is, they were snapping the ball constantly with about a second or two left and just running down the clock. They had fewer snaps overall than um, the Panthers but I think less possession by about a minute, which tells you everything. They were just controlling the ball with um, Aaron Jones. And it's a great week to have Aaron Jones in fantasy because they just (laughs) lent on him significantly. There's so many times this season when they've been trailing in games and things and they haven't really lent on Aaron Jones and they haven't really used him in the way that as having him in fantasy, you would really hope. Um, But this week they definitely did. They spotted a weakness and they just kept kept on pounding away at it. Um, one thing the right, I can't remember who the right guard's name was, um, but he basically kept on pulling over to the left-hand side and sort of forming um, a gap between Bakhtari and whoever the left guard was and creating space uh, for Aaron Jones. And there's one point where they created so much space, Aaron Jones sort of looked at him as if to go, I don't know which way to go. Uh, I'll just go straight ahead because he could have gone left, right or straight ahead. It was, just, it was constant. And they were doing exactly the same thing. And and they were focusing really on Effie Barter a bit, which wasn't, all that nice to see, but mm. it's understandable as to why they've done that. But no, it's, it's a good performance by the Packers. So very, very well done to them. They're obviously playoff bound now, but it's uh, they're the curious team out of everyone because you kind of think, how good are they really? Which is a similar thing to what we saw last year. They they beat the bad teams really well and then lost to the 49ers and got really badly beaten by the 49ers. They can get run on. They can get very much run on. So I think so. I think so. But then again, they might just be... Brilliant. I doubt it. <laughs> but they might be. We just don't know. That's the thing. We don't know how good they are. Yeah. So let's go on to Atlanta, shall we? And yep, Brady did it again to Ryan and the Falcons. Rallying Tampa Bay from a pair of 17-point deficits, Tom Brady recreated his Super Bowl miracle by leading the Buccaneers on five straight scoring drives in the second half Sunday for a victory over Atlanta. The league's oldest player finished 31-45 of 45 for 390 yards and two touchdowns. Tampa Bay scored on five straight possessions after halftime, four touchdowns and a field goal. Leonard Fournette had a pair of one-yard touchdown runs. Brady hooked up with Chris Goblin on a four-yard scoring pass and Ryan Suckup connected on a 27-yard field goal. Atlanta failed to pick up a first down on four of its last five possessions, the only exception being a drive that ended with Young Hoku's 52-yard field goal with 8.22 remaining, giving the Falcons a 27-24 lead. It's the second time this season that Bucks linebacker Devin White had made three sacks in the game. He also did it on uh, October 25th against the Raiders, making him the only player with two free sack games this season. Touchdowns to Russell Gage, Calvin Ridley and Hayden Hurst had the Falcons up 24-7 in the third quarter before the Bucks rallied with scores from Chris Godwin, two rushing touchdowns from Fournette and the game winner from Antonio Brown. The final score in this NFC South matchup was the Bucks 31, Falcons 27. I just said to you coming into this game that there would be 94 passing attempts <laughs> between two guys who have a combined age well over 70. Yes. You wouldn't have believed it, would you? I mean, the Falcons ran the ball. Ito Smith, six times. Matt Ryan, once. That doesn't count. He's 16 yards, no. but he was appearing headlights. Tom Gurley, minus one yard. And then Hill, minus two yards on five attempts. 
they weren't able to run the ball effectively at all. And we know the Bucks, given any chance, they'll try not to rush the ball. Yeah. Um, but again, they ran the ball nearly 20 times. And it was just, I think any team who could have effectively run the ball really well and won the line of scrimmage against either of these two teams would, would have won. And I think this is crying out for anyone who doesn't really, I don't want to say I understand football because that sounds big-headed and I don't, but I kind of get the way to win. And any team who could have, like the, the Titans would have beaten both of these two teams by definition because they would destroyed them at the line of scrimmage. Yeah. And that's that would have been the way to win this game. There's so many turnovers and so many opportunities for turnovers. And it was just, it was so poor. Um, I've always said that the Bucks have got, I'm, I'm kind of discounting the Falcons from this because they are a bad team. Um, but the, I've always sort of defended the Bucks in saying that they've got so much potential and they could be anyone in the playoffs. And I'm kind of getting to the point now where I just don't believe it. No. Because they're, so much wrong the things that they do you can't do in a playoff game the only x factor is the fact that brady's been there so many times and won so many playoff games but they can't do what they're currently doing now in a playoff game they cannot do that because they will just get absolutely hammered um but yeah time will tell it's a difficult it's a difficult thing because we're at the point now and i think it's it's evident by the fact that the way that we're looking at these games where you're no longer thinking you know, what kind of a performance did you put in to what kind of team are you and what are you capable of doing in the playoffs? Um, it's a very, this is the part of the situation now where you have to really create your identity of to what you're going to be. And we see it every year where the Titans become this, you know, this team in September and this team in October and this team in November. When it comes to December, they morph then into the team they want to be in the playoffs. And that's what teams have to do now. And the mm-hmm. Bucks didn't do that this week. They, they, they were far too loose. They were like one of my ex-girlfriends, loose and kids. Oh right? my God. <laughs> you know who you are. <laughs> oh. uh, okay. I'm not going to Next game. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Dallas running back Tony Pollard ran for two touchdowns with Ezekiel at sideline with a calf issue he's been battling for weeks. And the Cowboys kept their slim playoff hopes alive with a victory of the San Francisco 49ers. Four of the seven Dallas scores were set up by turnovers from the 49ers, who became the second Super Bowl runner-up in the past 13 seasons to finish with a losing record the next year. Andy Dalton threw for two touchdowns to Michael Gallup and Dalton Schultz. And Greg Zerline kicked a tie-breaking field goal early in the fourth quarter after the second interception by Nick Mullins who was replaced by C.J. Bethard after losing feeling in his elbow. Bethard handled the last two possessions and threw a 49-yard Hail Mary touchdown to Kendrick Bourne on the final play. Before Bourne's Hail Mary catch on the final play, C.D. Lamb had returned an onside kick 47 yards for a Dallas touchdown. Jeff Wilson's one-yard run for Sam Fran tied the game at 24 late in the third quarter on one of the Niners' four touchdown drives of 75 yards. Rookie Brandon Ayuk and Jordan Reed had short touchdown catches to cap drives earlier in the game. The final score in Dallas was 49-33, Cowboys 41. There's only three game, three things in this game that I was really, really interested in. Okay. Um, first of all was uh, River Craycraft being involved. Um, he is a former okay. Broncos 49ers, and I've got a massive soft spot for. I think he's massively underrated, really, really good little receiver. He's, he's a pump returner for a while, but he started making his way as a wide receiver now, mm-hmm. uh, which is great. 
Um, also touchdowns for Brandon Ayuk, uh, who is in my fantasy and several of my fantasy teams. But most importantly in this game, the one thing that really, really mattered was the fact that there would be lower than 13 and a half points in the second quarter. That's the main thing <laughs> that I was really focusing on. So anyone who's listening last week, that was part of my bet, a random yeah. input somewhere that there'd be lower than 13 and a half points in okay. the second quarter. And indeed there was, there was only 10 points. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, before any dreams were shattered, it was uh, momentary <laughs> highlights. I mean, that was really the only interest I had in this game. Um, a That's five the and only nine quarter Dallas where there was less than 13 points scored as well. Eh? That was the only quarter where less than 13 points were scored. Yes. <laughs> Across most of the NFL, that was the case. <laughs> <laughs> um, But no, a four and nine Dallas against a five and nine 49ers. Yeah, I, I've got no skin in this game whatsoever. Well done, Dallas. Um, Bravo. That's that's all I can say, really. Is this is one of those games you skip over quite happily on red zone. I'm not fussed about this one. It's just nice one to see that. Tony Pollard, though. Tony Pollard's a really talented back, mm-hmm. and he's got a big, big future. He just needs that opportunity. Um, behind Zeke, number of carries are amazingly reduced. Behind a lot of other backs, you get opportunities, but with yeah. Zeke, his big benefit is the fact that he'll constantly get you five yards, six yards, five yards, six yards, which means that as a secondary back, you, you don't get an opportunity because you just think, well, I could give it a secondary back or I could give it Zeke and get seven yards guaranteed. So as a secondary back, you just don't get that opportunity. So it's nice for Pollard to now get that because he will move to another organization and he will get starts. Um, he's a very, very talented guy. Very talented. Pollard to me seems like Zeke without the big contract and the bitching. Do you know, as a comp, the guy who I sort of liken him to more than anything is Latavius Murray. Mm. The fact that he'll get hit and then he'll get another three yards, but he'll do that fairly consistent, but then he'll break a tackle and get 70. So he might get you sort of four yards, four yards, four yards, 70, and that kind of thing. So I think young Latavius Murray, I'm not talking like Latavius Murray now. Right. Um, yeah, if, if you let Latavius Murray have a 69-yard head start, he'll make 70. Um, so, yeah, I think it's Pollard is a really, really talented back, but I just don't think his future lays in Dallas while there's that contract. No, the position. contract there, yeah, they've tied themselves into that one. Yeah. Okay, let's go on to the next game, shall we, Dave? So Ryan Tannehill accounted for a career-high five touchdowns, passing and running, and Derek Henry ran for 147 yards and a score to move the Titans closer to clinching their third playoff berth in four seasons by routing the Detroit Lions. They also broke through with the first double-digit win season since 2008, ending a season, uh, sorry, a streak of four straight nine and seven seasons. The second straight loss after Darrell Bevel won his first as interim coach officially eliminated the Lions from playoff contention. Quarterback Matt Stafford shook off a rib injury to start, throwing for 252 yards and a touchdown before being pulled for Chase Daniel after Tennessee went up 39-18 with nine minutes left. Tannehill had the first five-touchdown game of his career. He ran for two touchdowns and finished with 273 yards passing and three more touchdowns to Corey Davis, A.J. Brown, and Darrington Evans, giving him a career-high 31 touchdown passes. He became the first Titans player to account for five touchdowns on the ground and through the air in the same game since Billy Volek did it 16 years ago against the Raiders. Derek Henry capped the opening drive with a three-yard touchdown run, his 15th this season. That made him the fourth player in NFL history to run for at least 1,500 yards and 15 touchdowns in consecutive seasons, joining Terrell Davis, Sean Alexander, and Larry Johnson. Lions rookie Romeo Aquara sacked Tannehill for the Lions' first safety in 75 games. Dondre Swift scored two touchdowns on the ground for Detroit, and Marvin Jones had a highlight play touchdown catch, but it was all Tennessee in this one. Final score, Lions 25, Titans 46. 
Yeah, when when a team's gonna uh, when a team's gonna lighten up to that Tannehill fake pass to Derrick Henry, <laughs> teams it's happened consistently game after game. Teams are so afraid of, of Derrick Henry on the goal line. They fake this handoff and Tannehill walks it in. And I mean, literally just walks it in. So he walked it in and then the two point, two point um, finish afterwards. They went for two points on that, on the next, literally the next play. And um, again, they shaped to do absolutely the same thing, gave it to Henry, but then one man had to come out the box to block for Tannehill and Henry went over for two points. It's just yeah. the perfect combination. And there is one thing I have to disagree with though. Go on. Um, and that's when you said Matt Stafford shook off the rib injury. I think well. it was... Pretty obvious all the way through. He played, but he was very, very injured. Um, and the problem is Chase Daniel coming in after that, picked up some easy yards. But the, I mean, by then the damage had been done. They knew that they weren't going to be winning this game. So they took Stafford out and it was obvious all the way through. He was really badly injured. And he's their best player by a long, long way in terms of impact. Um and I just, I don't think there was any chance of uh, the Lions beating the Titans with, uh, without Matt Stafford being 100%. I'm a massive Matt Stafford fan. I think he's great. I think he's the most underrated quarterback in the league. Um, but he, there's no, you know, there's no doubt that with a, without a fully fit Matt Stafford, there's no way the Lions are beating the Titans. Not this year. No. Fair enough. Let's go on then. Philly Rivers threw a tie-breaking touchdown pass to Zach Pascal with 1.47 left, and Darius Leonard forced Kiki Kute to fumble with 19 seconds to go, sealing Indy's victory over Houston. Bobby Okariki recovered the skittering ball in the end zone for the Colts' second win in three weeks over the Texans. Rivers finished 22 of 28 with 228 yards and two scores for Zach Pascal. Jonathan Taylor had 16 carries for 83 yards in the touchdown. Deshaun Watson was 33 of 41 with 373 yards and two touchdowns to Chad Henson and Kute. David Johnson had 11 receptions for 106 yards in his first action since coming off the COVID-19 list. And Kute had five touches for 53 yards and one score before that fumble. DeForest Buckner tallied three sacks on Deshaun and the Colts closed this one out. Final score, Texans 20, Colts 27. I think Houston should change their name from the Houston Texans to the Houston Watsons because he (laughs) was doing every... He has got zero support on the offense. Mm -hmm. Um... I don't want to linger on it too much because you can just sit here and really bash the Texans. We all know why they're in the position that they're in. Yep. Um, and it's going to be very, very difficult to uh, to really attract any top-level talent there because people want to go places where they're going to win and drafting well allows you to win. Everyone knows that. And they just don't have capital. To the point where this, this, this week, really, I was going into a deep dive of what teams have in terms of draft capital. Mm-hmm. And... Um, Miami are stacked. They've got two first rounders. The Jags have got two first rounders. And Miami's one of Miami's is the Texans pick. And the Texans don't have a second rounder either. Oh, I think they've got a second rounder, but not a third. Or I mean, in the first three rounds, they've got one pick. And it's just, it's going to be so, so difficult. And you can just feel Deshaun Watson's career is just ebbing away because they are going to be potentially irrelevant for so long. And he mm. comes away from every game getting battered. And, you know, there's no, almost no chance of him getting any success. And it's sad to see because he is so talented. Um, but, yeah, it's, it's, it is, that's literally all I can say about it because the Texans are a shadow of the team that they were and should be. And it's only going to continue going one way with it. Whoever comes in next to that Texans team has got one hell of a job to do. It's a mark in, of in with Watson is that they're so close in games when oh, he's yeah. got no one I mean, to play with. 
it's a similar thing with, with the Lions as well. The Lions without Matt Stafford are a shadow of the team that they are with him. And it's the mm. same with the Texans. Could you imagine that Texans team with, I'm going to say Drew Locke, just because I think Drew Locke's <laughs> a middle-of-the-road quarterback. He's just a middle-of-the-road quarterback. He's not brilliant. Yeah, he's yeah. not crap. He's, he's fine. Could you imagine him? With, even, even with Jared Goff. I like Jared Goff. I think he's fine. There's nothing wrong with him. I think he's okay. But imagine the team the Texans would be with Jared Goff. Mm. I mean, they're thinking about it. <laughs> <laughs> they're called uh, yeah. the Rams, aren't they? Well, no, I, I think the Rams are very, very. Rams got some more players than the Texans. I was only joking. Very decent side in comparison. I mean, they're not <laughs> even on the same page. Um, but yeah, it is. It's just a, it's a massive shame. I mean, if you put Deshaun Watson at somewhere like the Giants, where there's other pieces around him that, but they're not a premier team, it changes both organizations. It's, but it's sad to see because there's a guy whose career is just going to be remembered as. Do you remember? Do you remember what he could have been? Um, yeah, and we keep saying that every week as well. It's just just a, I think a long, we're going to keep saying that every drawn out process. Yeah, because there's we all know we're, going, we're not going to go into it too much, but you know what you need to have success in this league, in any league where there is uh, a, a, you know a, a, any kind of cap space. In most of the leagues where there isn't cap space, you can just write it off and then go and write a big check for someone else. In this league, you can't do that. Mm-hmm. Um, and they can't even carry over cap from previous seasons because the amount of money that they're paying certain players is ridiculous. It's, they're in a no-win situation. Um, the only way they're going to do really get out of it is by picking up undrafted free agents and guys who really need to start proving themselves, like Ruben Foster, for example, picking up guys who are going to come and play for nothing and really need to prove that they are good enough in this league. That's the only way they can do it because there's no other way, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. Next game then, the Miami Dolphins grinding ground game sent the New England Patriots into full retreat and out of the playoff picture for the first time in 12 years. Undrafted rookie Salvan Ahmed and veteran Matt Breeder combined for 208 rushing yards on Sunday to lead the Dolphins to a 22-12 victory over the Patriots, who were eliminated from postseason contention. The Dolphins entered the game last in the league in yards per carry, and Ahmed became their first 100-yard rusher since 2018, totaling 122 yards in the score on a two-point conversion on a trick play. Breeder added 86 yards, and the Dolphins totaled the season-high 250, the most allowed by New England in seven years. Four times the Patriots settled for a field goal after driving inside the Miami 30. Nick Falk made kicks of 45, 36, 45, and 42 yards. The Dolphins were unable to convert several scoring chances, including when they drove 95 yards in the first quarter, before JC Jackson made his eighth interception of the year, picking off a third-down pass by Tonga Vailoa at the goal line. The Dolphins were without Devontae Parker, Mike Gazicki, and Jakeem Grant from the receiver court, and it showed. But Tua's two rushing touchdowns and Ahmed's touchdown were enough to get this done. The final score in Miami was the Patriots 12, Dolphins 22. I mean, again, you know, we, we can wax lyrical about the Patriots. We've just got to sit back and enjoy it. Because <laughs> it's so long. Is it finally over, Dave? Is it finally it over? Can we come it's out official. of the basement? It's official. We can all start looking now. Um, it's the end of an era, obviously. Um, it hasn't worked out. The Cam Newton uh, pickup by New England. I mean, I hate to say I told you so, but I, I said I thought Cam would do fine, but not special. And that's the mm-hmm. kind of way we're in. Um, and what makes it even worse for New England is the fact that Stefan Gilmore is now done for the season. Yeah, partial uh, quad tear, I think it was. Yeah. I mean, there's no danger of him missing any time next year. He'll be back for OTAs, but no. nice in time. Um, but yeah, when you just thought things couldn't get worse, if you, if you uh, do want to sort of have a bit of a laugh, go and watch the uh, 
the Bill Belichick interview after the game. <laughs> um, you've never seen anyone so utterly distraught. Not very animated. I, no. Well, he just kept on saying exactly the same thing. We have to be yeah. better in every, every single department, including coaching. And they're saying, what do you think about this or that? We have to be better in every single department, including coaching. Mm-hmm. It wouldn't surprise me if there are a number of changes in New England, um, potentially even aiming with Bill Belichick, going somewhere else. It wouldn't surprise me whatsoever because, again, they are a team now completely in transition. Um, but, yeah, interest, it is, it's incredibly interesting times in New England because it's been stagnant for so long, not stagnant in a bad way. It's just they've had the winning formula and just kept on doing it and kept on ticking over mm-hmm. constantly. That's now finished. They don't have the winning formula anymore, so now they've got to change. And the hardest thing to do is to recreate a new winning team. And it's the thing that we see in Formula One all the time. The teams win. The same team wins nonstop. And then they change the rules and they change the regulations. And then it's on another another team will then start winning and becoming the fastest. We've seen it with McLaren, we've seen it with Mercedes, seen it with Ferrari. It's now they're at that juncture where the rules have changed almost and they've got to recreate that new team and that new dynamic because what they've created this season just hasn't worked. I'll just throw out there that I don't think there's been any different in terms of record if Brady had still been there. I agree. I agree entirely. He just knew it was coming. I think, I think Tom Brady is potentially the smartest quarterback we've seen in quite some time because he knew when it was time to go, no, I, I quite like it. I quite like the idea of Tampa. Yeah, absolutely. Let's, let's go warm, there. Yeah. Retire down yeah. in Florida. That's what most people do. Uh, I, I agree. I think it, it says more about the way the way that the Patriots do things um, in don't rock the boat and keep on going with our current philosophy. And I think everything came to a head in one year with Brady leaving with the whole COVID exodus because a lot of players opted out. A lot of players opted out for the Patriots. Yeah. Um, and the one thing that we've seen not seen from the Patriots in recent times is just unforced errors. It's like watching Nadal in tennis. He doesn't make errors. When Tiger Woods was winning in golf, he didn't make errors. He wasn't necessarily always fantastic and brilliant, but he was always within six feet of the pin. And that was always what the Patriots did. They were always within six feet of the pin, and now they're mm. not. Mm. Now they're not even on the same green. <laughs> it's, it's insane. It's absolutely insane. But it's, it's a massive, massive departure away from where we know they've been. Let's move on to uh, Chicago against Minnesota then, please. So, David Montgomery burst through a big hole in the defence and carried most of Minnesota's secondary with him across the goal line. That 14-yard touchdown run in the third quarter, his second score of the game, put Chicago ahead by double digits. Every time the Vikings made a push, this once-flailing Bears offence had an answer. Montgomery rushed 32 times for a career-high 146 yards and two touchdowns. Chicago punted only once on the opening possession. The only setback after that? Cameron Dantzler intercepted Trubisky's third and goal pass in the cr- into a crowd in the end zone with 2.57 left. But the Bears, who were pretty vulnerable on defence themselves, delivered their second, fourth and one to stop in Minnesota territory to get the ball right back for a field goal. Davin Cook rushed 132 yards in the score, but he was stuffed on the third and one. The Vikings called a bootleg on the next play, but the Bears swarmed the edge and forced Kirk Cousins to scramble and throw errantly off his back foot. The Bears then intercepted the last snap heave by Cousins into the end zone. The Vikings, who finished three of five at home this year, had four goal-to-go situations that yielded only two touchdowns to Tyler Conklin and Adam Thielen. The final score in this NFC North game was the Bears 33, Vikings 27. 
So you remember a couple of weeks ago when I said the Bears cannot run the ball and they suck. Mm-hmm. And then last week I came on and said they're actually third bottom now. Yeah. Now they're ninth bottom after this week. <laughs> there you go. Bottom. They carry on this way. They could be top by the end of the season. It's insane. <laughs> it, it just goes to show exactly what I said a minute ago. You get the ground game right and things start happening in the air. And it's not really any kind of coincidence that they get the ground game going and all of a sudden Mitch Trubisky looks a little bit better than he actually is. Um, I don't think any great science to it. It, it kind of just is what it is. Um, but no, I, I, I'm happy to see the... the uh, the Bears being a bit more competitive in games. Mm. Um, I still don't think they're any good. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> and, um, you know, the Vikings are what they are. The Vikings will win big and they'll lose big as well. They, they kind of been that for a few years now, haven't they? Yeah. Um, Montgomery is still fantastic. Um, Eddie Jackson is still one of the best safeties in the league. Um, and there's far too much talent on that Bears defense for us to call them fragile, but they are. You know, you look at that Bears team and they're not performing. Um, but they are perhaps the best and worst 7-7 seven and seven team in this league <laughs> for various reasons. It's the right record for them, isn't it, I think? 7-7. Seven and seven. Oh, 100%. They are as good as they are bad, hence 7-7. Seven and seven. Mm-hmm. Um, But the worst thing is, again, they're picking, what, 16th in the draft so far? Oh, you're asking me, Dave, you're asking. I'm telling you, son, 16th in the draft. Yep, it's 16th. Is it? What a shout. What a guess. Um, <laughs> no, it's probably it's in there somewhere. Um, but no, I... Again, it was 16th I, last week as well. Yeah, so it's, it's a difficult thing with the, with the Bears because they're in that mid-table bit where they're too good to be picking high, but they're too bad to be getting anywhere near the playoffs. And these two teams are as good as they are bad. And it's just a bit of an, you know, I remember when I was calling this, I was saying, I didn't know whether I could go with the Vikings or whenever I do go for them, they suck. I can't remember whether I did in the end or not, or whether it was a kiss of death, but every time I've gone for the Vikings, you went for the Vikings, past, I think. Yeah, well, there you go. Every time I've gone from in the past three years, they've yeah, lost. You did. <laughs> Sorry, Vikings fans. Um, but they should have won this game. And again, you know, it, it was a very, very close game. It just, it was a Vikings versus Bears game. It just wasn't all that entertaining, unfortunately. Jefferson got over 100 yards and seemed a bit annoyed at Kirk for not throwing in the ball more. So, Yeah. I mean, when you're running goal rats the vast majority of the game, you're going to be annoyed. Um, but yeah, I, it, it kind of just is what it is. I mean, the uh, you saw the benefit of having a talent like, um, like Diggs for the Bills, but not for the Vikings today. Because, you know, they were missing having that receiver who's just going to be able to take that one play 100 yards. I mean, it took a number of receptions for Justin Jefferson to get over 100 yards, and they were hard yards for Jefferson. Um, the thing that really continues to irritate me about Kirk Cousins is the fact that he's leading his receivers into trouble. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he'll throw them the ball. You know, a guy will catch the ball, and within a second, he's been led into a position you don't want to be in, where he's getting absolutely smashed. And that's the reason that you know Carl Rudolph's out for so long, and Adam Thielen spends so much time injured as well. Because yes, you're catching the ball, but you're catching the ball in positions you don't want to be down at someone's feet and again a knee to the helmet yeah and uh, that's the last thing anyone wants a good old knee to the helmet doesn't sound fun <laughs> you'll watch your helmet out there yeah exactly let's let's go to seattle in washington dc so carlos dunlap shook off a lingering foot injury and sacked washington's dwayne haskins to shore up a 20 to 15 victory on sunday that clinched a playoff spot it's seattle's ninth and 11 seasons under coach pete carroll but dunlap's first crack at the postseason since 2015 and for safety jamal adams it's the first in his nfl career 
Russell Wilson threw a touchdown to Jacob Hollister. Carlos Hyde ran 50 yards for a score. And the Seahawks picked off Haskins twice to build a big lead before holding on to a, with a big defensive stop in the final minutes. Dwayne Haskins finished 38 of 55 for 295 yards, a touchdown pass to J.D. McKissick, and the two interceptions by Shaquille Griffin and D.J. Reed. Jerome Payne got himself an interception of Wilson, but the Washington front seven didn't record a sack in the game. They at least managed to slow Seattle's attack down to a crawl and kept the game lively right to the end. The final score, though, in this one was the Seahawks 20, Washington 15. I mean, everyone everyone mentions about the Washington pass rush, but the Washington secondary in itself is second in the league in terms of preventing the pass. Mm. And if you look at their secondary, there's some real talent in that secondary. Um, and I just think that when you've got a team that is so heavily focused on preventing teams from really yeah preventing teams from really scoring you need something on the other side of the ball and with Dwayne Haskins you just don't have that um it's going to be interesting in the off season because they're going to have to hit the reset button um because if they don't I don't see any way in which they're going to continue to have any kind of success and I don't think Alex Smith's the future for them as well no I've got a soft spot for Washington and we're going to see a big big change for them in the summer because they're going to have a brand new identity it's Mm -hmm. a good chance they might fill that gap in free agency rather than in the draft as well so it is exciting mm. time and of course they're no longer probably going to be the washington football team they're going to have a new name a new identity they're going to become Fingers a crossed. new organization it's, it's 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 really exciting times for washington mm. they've got they've got a new head coach they've got a new gm a progressive gm as well yeah. head coach who had health problems and now for all intents and purposes seems to be much much better and yeah it's it's great to see because uh you know washington historically a team who have not done it properly and it seems now they've got their act together and uh, there's a lot of teams in the league who could start to learn from it but they've got the defensive side of the ball right um i'm a massive fan of um jonathan allen deron Payne. i think Montez sweat yeah, there's so Brian many Harrigan. people on the team who are not um, celebrated as much. I mean, even people like Kendall Fuller. Kendall mm. Fuller's so good. He can play him on man. You can play him in slot. You can play him in zone. You can play him out in the open. Any way you want to. You can even probably play him as a as a defense, as a proper old school defensive back who just sits in the end zone, just covering zone. You play him as a safety if you want to. And um, now they've got rid of players who didn't want to be there. I think Leonard Leonard Williams has gone. Josh Norman as well. So they've got a mm-hmm. rid of a lot of the problem players and kept the guys who really want to be there. And it's exciting times for the day, for the uh, Washington. So Seahawks, again, a team that are potentially going to be going into the playoffs without somewhat of an identity. And it's difficult to know what they're going to look like in the playoffs. So very similar to what we said with the uh, the Packers. It's a, it's a difficult time to really hang your hat on the Seahawks and believe that they are anything other than a team who everything depends on the quarterback but you won't count them out of the game because like green bay they've got the quarterback that can get it done super bowl winner quarterback and the weapon they don't have a running back still which is disgusting i mean how can you continue as an organization going going in knowing that you've had issues at running back before and not having a a running back to hand your game on it's it's Mm. insane um but they've got dk metcalf that's that's all you need to say um, but yeah it, it will be I think there's a good chance that the Seahawks and Green Bay might end up coming up against each other and on anyone's day it's anyone's game mm. so next game then is the Jacksonville Jaguars at the Baltimore Ravens and the Ravens have won three straight following a three game skid and remained in the hunt to secure one of three AFC wildcard spots 
It started great for the Jags as Josh Jones picked Lamar Jackson on the first drive of the game, but luck soon changed as the Jags go for safety on their first defensive drive. Touchdowns for Miles Boykin, J.K. Dobbins, and Des Bryant got the Ravens to a 26-0 halftime lead. Rookie running back James Robinson got a touchdown to start the second half for Jacksonville. Then Lamar responded with a running score of his own. Former Jags first-round defensive end Yannick Ngokwe then strip-sacked Gardner Minshew and it was recovered by Derek Wolfe. Lamar hit Mark Andrews for a score on the following drive before being rested halfway through the fourth quarter with the game out of reach. Minshew got a touchdown pass to Chris Conley, but the Jags took yet another L and the final score was Jags 14, Ravens 40. Ravens beat Jags. Big surprise. Yeah. That's, that's <laughs> all I've got to say. Mm. It's one of those games where it was never a banana skin. They should have won it quite handling quite easily and did. So, mm. I mean, it was a good week to have Lamar in fantasy. That's literally all I've got to say. There's nothing more you can say. Yes, yes. Good week to have Lamar in fantasy, wasn't it, Dave? It was actually, yeah. I thought you did all right. <laughs> <laughs> we won't talk about that. Um, I've put it off until um, now, but... I can't put it off no more, Dave. We will talk about that, Jim. Maybe. I can't put off no more. We've got to talk about the New York Jets at the LA Rams. So after after 51 weeks and 13 games without a win, the Jets finally earned the chance to celebrate a win. Though this may have inadvertently scuppered their chances at the number one overall pick in next year's draft. You can't tell the players to go out there and not to try to win. Dunn threw a touchdown to Ty Johnson and didn't throw a pick. Frank got his 100th career touchdown and the Jets' defense stepped up to frustrate the NFC West leading LA Rams. Gase's team got its first win of the year only after blowing most of a 17-point lead in the second half. After a potential go-ahead touchdown for the Rams and wiped out by penalty, forcing LA to kick a field goal, the Jets' defense stopped the Rams again on downs near midfield with 3.54 to play. New York had a 13-3 halftime lead after holding the Rams to 97 yards and the Jets led 20-3 midway through the third quarter. Los Angeles chipped the deficit down to three points with touchdown catches by Robert Woods and Tyler Higby, but the Rams couldn't finish this one. Sam Fickens kicked three field goals for the Jets, and the final score to break every acker in the world was Jets 23, Rams 20. Every single accumulator in the world. Wiped out. A hundred percent. All screamed out in one voice and then were instantly silenced. (laughs) The amount of people who cashed out for about 30 pence was amazing. <laughs> I think you're absolutely spot on. I think you're 100% correct in the fact that you cannot tell players to go out there and tank you- because those players don't care. They're not good enough and they're not going to be there next season. Nope. There's no way Sam Darnold's going to go out and go, no, I'm going to make sure you get that first overall pick so you can replace me. Mm-hmm. No, what they're doing, what he's going to do is go, there's other teams now who are looking at me. This is, this is now his audition. My audition, yeah. So why the hell is he going to do anything other than go out there and win? Fair play to him. I still think he's a very good quarterback. I think there's obviously progression issues. um, And I think there's issues with coaching. I don't think it's, I'm not going to start slagging people off because it's been done enough this year, but there's obvious issues with Donald that have never been addressed from college. He still looks like the same quarterback out from college. Mm -hmm. Give him two or three years under someone who's really got that, you know, pedigree and ability to bring a quarterback onto the next level. And he'll look like a different player. Um, but yeah, I mean, the Jets are now picking second because of this win. Jacksonville are now picking first. Um, the Jets have got their at home to the Browns and the Browns are a significantly stronger team. And then they're away to the Patriots. Hey, Jim, 
pop quiz. When was the last time the Jets <laughs> Beat the Patriots in regulation time. So I'm not including over, overtime Oy. wins for a bit. Yeah. Overtime wins are, forget it. I'm not interested in those because they can go either way. You can be a misfield goal that does it. But genuine win in time in regulation. Bearing in mind, they play them twice a season. They play twice a season, yeah. When was uh, the last time they beat them? To 2010. Do you know what? That's a really, really good guess. 2011. Oh. Um, they beat him 28-21. Mm. And that was in Boston as well. Okay. So since then, they've beaten them twice in overtime. Um, the last time they've beaten them at all was in 2015. And that was in overtime in a 26-20 win um, mm. in overtime. So yeah. again, overtime wins are they're here and there. So their record against the Patriots is abysmal. But the Patriots yeah. are abysmal this season. The, as well, yeah, so. the Patriots aren't the same Patriots team anymore, so there's a no, chance they if, get another win. Um, and if you look, I mean, I will be supporting. I'll be massively supporting the Jets to beat the Patriots because if the Patriots lose to the Jets as well, I mean, what a way to icing go on out. the cake. Yeah, and if you look at the Jags, the Jags are are uh, home to the Bears, and the Bears are again significantly better team, and the Colts away, and the Colts always beat the Jags. Again, in recent history, they've battered them. So you can see out of these four games, neither of them getting the win. And the Jags pick him first overall. It's, you couldn't write it. The Jets suck at sucking. It's, it's ridiculous. But no, well done to every single Jets player who took the field um, because they've basically given themselves a fighting chance of getting a job next season because this Jets team is going to be one of those where there's going to be a new head coach. There's going to be new positional players all over, uh, new positional coaches all over. And there's going to be a turnaround of a, I put money on it. There's going to be a turnaround of at least 40 players in that squad. <laughs> Genuinely. I think there's going to be 40 different players in that squad next season because they've got major cap room as well. No, you're right, Dave. I've got one more thing to say about the, uh, the Jets win. So not only did they lose the number one overall pick, which everyone's talking about now, but I suppose the, only, the good thing is then they've, they've moved uh, the Jags down a, a draft pick because the Jags have got the Rams' first round pick. So they've moved the Jags down from 25 to 26. Yeah, but the way that the drafts pick, they'll, uh, the way that the Jags pick, they'll still be picking the same player because no one else will be looking in that direction. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, me, the Jags have to do one thing and that's pick up a quarterback and then pick up someone to protect him. So it's going to be quarterback offensive yeah. linemen. And I think it's yeah. going to be a fairly similar thing for the Jets. So I don't think it's going to be too dissimilar um, tactics-wise on both of those. I mean, you're not going to be picking up a quarterback and a wide receiver because you know he's never going to be making his way because he'll be dead. Well, when the Jets have got Denzel Mims, they drafted in the second round. This draft is gone, and he's a very good receiver. I think he's brilliant. I think he's really, really mm. good. Um, and I, this is going to sound like it's a backhanded compliment, but I really like. I think Braxton Barrios is massively underrated. Um, yeah, they kind of do this thing where they just say, "Play in the slot." That's it. Go and find room. Um, yeah. which I really quite like. But the problem is, you know, when you've got a quarterback who's normally got absolutely no time to throw it, then it, it kind of means that you are having to find room almost immediately and he's not good enough to do that, which is why, I mean, 
it might seem like a bit of a sl- me slagging him off, but I think he's got a really good future. If you can just protect the quarterback and give him a little bit more time, he can be a really good swap, uh, slot receiver. Reminds me a bit of Wes Welker um, in the fact that he's just able to find time a little bit. So Barrios is one of those guys who I think will will be there and we'll start to see him have a bit more of a bigger future. Whoever. Nothing wrong with being a slot receiver. <laughs> Let's go on to the Eagles and the Cardinals, shall we? So Arizona won its second straight game as it tries to make the postseason for the first time since 2015. Kyler Murray threw for a career-high 406 yards and completed 27 of 36 passes with three touchdowns to DeAndre Hopkins, Larry Fitzgerald and Chase Edmonds and one interception by Marcus Epps. The Cardinals won despite losing three turnovers. The Eagles had none. Hertz making his second career start completed 24 of 44 passes for 338 yards and three touchdowns two to Greg Ward, and one to Quez Watkins. He had a lot of good moments, but couldn't lead the Eagles 20 points on their last two offensive drives. Philadelphia made it to the Cardinals' 31-yard line on the final drive, and Hurts threw two passes into the end zone on the final two plays, but they fell incomplete. Both QBs got rushing touchdowns, and this entertaining game ended with the Eagles finishing with 26 points, and the Cardinals 33. I thought Hurts looked good. Um, I was I was kind of the one. Oh, I don't, I don't, I don't. <laughs> you know, I was kind of, I was kind of the one saying that you know we need to calm down a bit because he's had a good first, yeah, yeah, etc. etc. He looked a lot better yeah. in the second game than he did in the first. Um, well, he wasn't playing the Saints. Well, this is also true, which is one of the reasons why I'm saying look, let's have a little bit of a reality check. But I think he still beat the Saints. I think he looked fine. I think he looked absolutely fine. I think there's still that... a lot better than. Uh... And Wentz does. Yeah, Wentz this season hasn't been good. I mean, there's no one that's gonna gonna doubt that. It just, I think it gives the Eagles a bit of a predicament as to what they do next season um, because there's some very very difficult choices. I'm not going to go over it again because anyone who listens to the previous podcast can go back and it's a reason to go back and listen to previous episodes. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but no, I I think it 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 probably gives him a bit more body of work to be able to say, look, this is the reason I should be your starter. Um, I think his ball protection was still very good. Um, there's his ability to throw it left is, uh, I saw a couple of people saying he doesn't throw it all that well left. I thought he looked absolutely fine, but I'm not, mm-hmm. you know, he's too hot on the mechanics of quarterback. So I, you know, I'm not going to argue with them. <laughs> I was saying he struggles throwing yeah. it left, but who knows? Um, if the worst thing that you're going to say is you struggle to throw it left and it's a game you didn't throw an interception in, fair play. Um, you know, I think, that says- I think that's people that are just taking his first season at Alabama. He's a guy that's progressed through his entire college career. Watched him at Oklahoma. You knew there was a lot of potential coming out. I wanted the Steelers to draft him. They didn't. They took Chase Claypool. Yeah. A couple of picks later, the Eagles picked up Hurts. And I think they will be absolutely justified in what they've done. They knew that Wentz was a banged-up quarterback. They knew they can't protect him very well. Their O-line is old. Um, So they kind of saw this coming. I think Harry Rosen's done a great job in in drafting someone that could come in and and, and not miss a step. They obviously didn't think that Wentz was going to play play this badly this season, but they knew that if they did have a problem with Wentz with an injury, that Hurts could come in and they wouldn't lose too much in terms of quality between the two. I think for his second start against one of the better defences in the league as well, he's doing nothing but good things. Um, And to bring this down to the last play of the game, um, he did his part and he just needs some some better things around him. But I I had a lot of of good feelings about Wentz coming into the draft. Um, He seems to be showing what I thought he would do. Yeah, I mean, you're giving Harry Roseman credit, which... I understand, oh, yeah, I know. but let's not also forget that he's the one that 
you know, put pen to paper on that massive salary to Carson Wentz. Yeah. Which ties them yeah. in until after, this is the key word, after the 2024 season. You know, if you look at his, yeah. his actual yearly cash that he's getting, it's massive in comparison. I mean, by the time that that rolls around, it's probably not going to be too big a contract. So I think they did it early in his, in his sort of halfway through second or early, early third year. Um, but it's the fact if they get rid of him now, they're going to have to eat all of that in one fell swoop. Um, so it's not going to be an easy contract to buy. So yes, Harry Roseman's done really well in drafting um, Jalen Hurts, and I'll give him massive credit for that. It would have been so easy just to go, no, 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 Wentz is our guy. Wentz is definitely our guy. It would have been mm-hmm. really, it's the easy thing to do. But to stick your head above the parapet on day two, after yeah. listening to all of the news and everything that's been said about that um, Jordan Love pick for the Packers as well, <laughs> yeah, you yeah. sit there and listen to that, and that's all that was happening after day one. That's it. Nothing else. All you mm-hmm. hear is Packers are idiots. They've picked up Jordan Love. Blah 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 blah. It's a massive slap in the face. So then sit there and go, no, we're going to pick up. Uh, we've got our franchise quarterback. We've signed him to a big deal, but we're going to pick up Jalen Hurts and we're going to pick him up mm-hmm. with a high draft pick. That takes some cojones. Um, so they play to him, <laughs> but he shouldn't. You know, it's the wrong contract to sign him on, basically. But that's in hindsight. Um, it's, you, you can't play a player just because you're paying him a lot of money, though. If, no, you, if, you, think, if you think you're going to lose games and you can't play him, you're going to have to deal with that contract somehow. I agree. Absolutely. But you can't keep, you can't not, keep a guy there if you don't want to play and you know, not just because of the money. with you whatsoever. The, the only thing I'm saying is it takes cojones for you to do that and to admit that you, you're wrong. And we've seen it with Steve. Absolutely. I, I've slagged off Steve Kime. You've done it as well. But he's done an amazing job <laughs> of just going, you know what? I messed up. Reset, I yeah. Up, I messed up. I'm not going to stick with where we were going. Let's just move on. But doing that... Which is why I don't think Wentz is in Philadelphia next season. Doing that when you've got four more years of big money is a different thing yeah. to getting rid of a guy who was a third round pick, or was a first round pick, who you then go and get like a, rookie contract. a second round pick. Uh, you get a second round pick for anyway. So yeah. it's a very, very different thing. I just think it's it could end up being something that has a dramatic effect on the Eagles for years to come. Um, unless someone else is able to take part of that, that cap hit, which was like I said, someone like the Colts has got the room. Yeah. I mean, the Colts are the obvious contenders for it. Um, potentially the Patriots as well, because the Patriots have got bags and bags of draft room, uh, a cap. Yeah. room. sorry. Got bags of cap room and let's face it. The Patriots don't need those early picks because it was f- them up. So, <laughs> let's go to the last evening game on Sunday then that was uh, where Mahomes passed for 254 yards and three touchdowns and the Kansas City Chiefs extended extended their winning streak to nine games with victory over the New Orleans Saints while Drew Brees back after four games out after fracturing almost half of his ribs passed for 234 yards and three touchdowns he completed fewer than half of his passes and was intercepted for just the fourth time in the season Breeze's first three passes fell incomplete before his fourth was intercepted by Lajaria Sneed at the New Orleans 36-yard line, setting up a touchdown for Tyreek Hill. Breeze needed more than a full quarter to complete a pass or lead the Saints to a first down. His first completion came on his seventh pass. A few plays later, he hit Emmanuel Sanders 51 yards down the right sideline to set up Taysom Hill's one-yard touchdown run. The Saints cut it to 14-9 at the end of the half with a safety when Chiefs punt returner Demarcus Robinson fumbled into the end zone. Saints linebacker Alex Anzalone tried to fall on it but squirted it out of bounds. 
A touchdown pass to Latavius Murray had the Saints actually in the lead. The other touchdown passes were to Alvin Kamara and Lil Jordan Humphrey, real name. But Mahomes' touchdown throws from McCole Harmon and Travis Kelsey, plus a Le'Veon Bell touchdown run, helped ease the Chiefs to an 8-0 away record. And the final score here was the Chiefs 32, Saints 29. Um, again, this is, this could end up being the Super Bowl. Mm. Um, and it just felt as though the, the Chiefs sort of had their way with uh, with the Saints throughout most of the game. Yeah. Um, there was one point in the stat, I think, that they showed where in nine attempts, I think Breeze had only completed one. Yeah. Um, Breeze started really badly and there was more floaters from Drew Breeze than you'd see in a public toilet. It oh. was horrendous. The amount of times that you just sort of throw balls up there and say, go and get it, guys, go and get it. Yeah. Um, and it was it was just, it was hard to watch to the point where I just went, I'm going to bed. I'm not watching this anymore. <laughs> I went to bed during the fourth quarter, I think, and there's no oh. way the Saints are coming back. Um, I also feel a bit like Alvin Kamara is sort of not been the player in the second half of the season as he has in the first half. I mean, if you look at his rushing yards this season, guess how many times he's broken 100 yards this season, Jim? Another pop quiz. I like putting you on the spot. Thanks. Test your knowledge. In the last, in the last one, you did really well. You were within the one a year. year so out, you did yeah. really um, I'm going to say breaking 100 yards three times. Zero. Oh. That's how many times Arr. he's broken 100 yards this season. Zero. Mm-hmm. If, you, if you combine his past two weeks, he only just gets over 100. He's not the biggest fantasy but, disappointment for a Saints player, though. Oh, no, no, no. I mean, in terms of running back, he's third overall because he's that dual threat running yeah. back who will get 55 yards receiving, uh, 55 yards passing, uh, mm. receiving as well as rushing. Yeah. So from that perspective, he has been very good, but he just, he hasn't been as dynamic on the ground as you would have hoped, which considering that, you know, for most of the season, they've had um, a wide receiver throwing the ball so you can just sort of load the box a bit more. It's not too much of a surprise. But he's just, he's been my disappointment of the season because going into the season, I said, you know, he is, he's a guy potentially to avoid in fantasy just because of all the health thing, health issues and contract issues we were hearing in the summer. Turns out I was wrong on that. Who knew? Mm -hmm. Um, And then he started the season like a bullet. Yeah. And then just never really got going after that. So just, it was just a bit of a disappointment. And again, in this game, there's so many opportunities for him to be able to step up and just never really made it. I know it gets boring to wax lyrical about Patrick Mahomes and the stuff he does, but Correct, when, when you does. watch this game and you just watch some of the time, third and 15, it just doesn't matter. He buys himself like eight seconds and he won't run for a first down because he knows if he just spends enough time scrambling about along the sideline, he'll find someone open. It'll either be Travis Kelsey or it'll be McCole Hardman or it'll be Tyreek Hill. He always seems to just get out of jail with these extended plays. And it's just, it's beautiful to watch. You, as a neutral, you have to kind of sit back and go, he's another cut above. There's no one close the thing to is, I'm, I'm The thing is, I'm not a neutral. That's the I know you're not a neutral. I'm not a neutral either, really, because I'm AFC as well. But you know, just as an NFL fan, you've got to sit back and you've just got to go, this guy's just ridiculous. I, I've got two pet hates in football yep. when I watch. One is silly penalties. If you make a big play, don't get up and start dancing and get in someone's face and get a 15-yard penalty. Stop being a d- and just go to the sideline. Mm-hmm. That's my pet hate. No, I don't like silly penalties because you cost your team. You really, really do. 
The second pet hate is wide receivers who don't try to get open. The amount of wide receivers who know that they're not on, they're, they're part of like progression three on this. You know, you, yeah. when you're hearing your number being called last on a play call, you're like, okay, I'm not getting the ball on this one then. And you can Jay see Cutler body language effort. sometimes. Yeah, you, you can see body language sometimes because um, Xavier Rhodes, who's comeback player of the season, by the way, this year, mm. um, Xavier Rhodes does a piece. Um, Xavier you Howard, you mean? No, Xavier Rhodes. Xavier uh, Rhodes didn't come at player of the year. Comeback player of the year. Considering, considering the season he had the year before, he was a liability the year before. Alex Smith. I'm not going with the popular consensus. Anyway, defensive comeback player You said player just of the like year. one or two weeks ago that Alex Smith it should be named here the Alex Smith Award. Yeah, this is also very true. That's why I just changed it to defensive comeback player of the year. Uh, anyway. All right, someone's playing very well um, for change. Yeah. Xavier Rhodes superbly well. Xavier Rhodes. And Xavier Rhodes does this whole thing. If you can tell someone's body language, you can yeah. always tell someone's got that extra spring in their step when you know the ball's coming to them and you can read them a little bit better, et cetera, mm-hmm. et cetera. And the one, my real pet hate is when a wide receiver goes running forward, he gets to the end of his route and he just sort of stops and says, well, yeah, I mean, I've done no my way bit. the ball's coming the way i've done my bit i've not got open so i'm not going to get the ball i'm just going to come to the end and there's a quarterback scrambling around and you've got a wide receiver in the end zone sort of walking by i mean if he had pockets his hands would be in it mm. that really irritates me and it's one of the reasons i love tim patrick because he never stops he never ever stops running if he comes to the end of his round i'm gonna keep That's going to i'm gonna keep going go on that's the team it's the team I watch the most Chase Claypool does a very similar thing he'll just keep on going yeah, yeah. keep on running through Tyler Lockett most I'm of his yards running. have been through breakdown plays oh, Tyler Lockett's never run a route in his life <laughs> just <laughs> run and go and get open he never he doesn't know what a route is no idea and um, when you're playing with Patrick Mahomes you don't stop no. because you know no matter where you are and this is one of the big things so he's playing for his wide receivers which wide receivers play for him mm. no wide receiver will stop because you know keep on moving he can and get, there's a he chance can get to you get the ball it doesn't matter if he's on the hash mark on the right hand side of the field and you're on the left it doesn't matter keep on moving because there's a chance you're gonna get it and that's the big thing that he does that no one else can. If you're playing with Philip Rivers, I know I'm going the other end of the scale here, but if you're playing with Philly Rivers yeah. and he's on the hash marks on the right-hand side, you're on the left, give up. Get down the tunnel because there's no way you're getting it. Mm. If you're playing with Mahomes, what planet are you going to stop on? You're not. You're going to keep going. Like, oh, I'm, I'll get open. I'll get open. Just, just give me a second. I'll get open. Same goes for, for Aaron Rodgers as well. Rodgers is one of the best extending plays. And because of that, your ability to be able to get open, it has to be there. Yeah. But Mahomes is a different cut above. So, yes, he's great at making it for the wide receivers, but the wide receivers also have that extra motivation for continuing to do it for him as well. And when you've got a guy whose Twitter handle is Cheetah, <laughs> you know, that, that tells you everything you need to know about if he gets open, then it's over. Yeah. We've got one more game to go through, Dave, that has already been played, and that is the Sunday night game. And that was the Cleveland Browns at the New York Giants. So Baker Mayfield and the Browns had their first 10-win season in a while. And they're on the verge of ending the NFL's longest playoff drought. Mayfield led two 95-yard touchdown drives to Jarvis Landry and Austin Hooper and was sharp all night. His 84.3% completion percentage set a Cleveland record, according to ESPN Stats and Info, topping Kelly Holcomb's 82.9% in 2003. Nick Chubb had a one-yard touchdown run in the third quarter that put it out of reach for the sluggish Giants who could not score a touchdown. Possibly not surprising as ex-Browns head coach Freddie Kitchens was subbed in as the offensive coordinator for New York after Jason Garrett was out due to the Rona. The Giants also were starting ex-Browns QB Colt McCoy, 
The only bright spot was zero turnovers for them. The Giants had a couple of chances. The first drive where they tried a fake field goal and just failed to connect with Graham Gano, who was open. And a fourth and one at the five-yard line that Wayne Gorman couldn't convert on the ground. The final score on Sunday night was Browns 20, Giants 6. I have another pop quiz for you, Jim. Oh, no. Since 1990, how many 10-win seasons have the Browns had? Since uh, 1990. So that's 30 years. How many 10-win seasons? I don't know. I think they haven't had 10 wins since they were re-established in 99. Is that right? Yeah, so this is the this is both Browns organizations. The old Browns. Um, the old Browns and the new, bear, new Browns. I, and I'll give you a clue. They, the new Browns mm. have had one 10-win season. Yeah, I think 1999 had a 10-win season. They um, had a 10-win season in 2007. Really? Okay. Uh, so this will be three? No. 1994 and 2007. <sighs> this is the third. Years. This is the third, right? That's what I was saying. This, this is, is the, the third. third. This is the third, yeah. So I was right. In 30 years, <laughs> there's been three. That's one every 10 years. It's which the means Browns. After this season, we have to wait a decade again. So, you know. The skid marks. <laughs> I think... In this, in this again, I'm not going to... I think Cleveland are what they are. They're going to get into the playoffs. If they win a game, that's a success. Winning a playoff game for them is a success this season. I don't think there's any doubt about that. Mm-hmm. Any Browns fan who's really sort of kidding themselves that this is our year, I'm sorry, it's just not. You know, <laughs> There's nothing more I can say about that, I'm afraid. Sorry. Um, but I think it's it, what's going to be the big sort of storyline out of this is what did the Giants do? Because mm. the Giants sort of have watched their season slip away from them. And there's real talent on that Giants team as well. It's just, they are potentially a quarterback away from being a half decent team. And a team, if they had a real good quarterback in this league, they would have walked it. They've they just really sunk would. a sixth overall pick into yeah. Daniel Jones. And if they still feel that he's the right guy, then happy days, you know, keep, keep on. Um, whether or not they decide to go somewhere. I mean, the problem is they're currently picking 10th overall. Mm-hmm. Now, we know that sort of first and second is going to be two quarterbacks that are going. But then from third down to ninth, there aren't too many teams that need a quarterback. So then you're looking potentially at having Trey Lance. And anyone who's... Don't steal my Trey Lance. Anyone who's had a look at Trey Lance knows that there's as much reason to be as much reason to be excited as there is to be a bit fearful. I mean, being a true sophomore going into the NFL is a reason to really, really have your doubts. But mm-hmm. there's no doubt the boy's talented. Yeah. But if you look below them, I mean, the Bengals don't need a quarterback. No need for that. No. Uh, there's Panthers. a good chance that the Panthers, Panthers probably aren't going to pick up a quarterback. Falcons maybe, but I mean, they've still got a big contract with Matt Ryan. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean... Dolphins, they've got one of their picks there. Dolphins aren't picking a quarterback. No. They've got two, are there? Eagles have found theirs. Um, I've got no doubts that the, you know, the stock of Dak Prescott is so high now, considering 50 when million contract or something inside. coming in. Yep, yeah, and the Chargers are the team who are picking ninth, and they've got Herbert. So then all of a sudden, you're looking at the, you know, looking at the Giants going, mm, Trey Lance to the Giants. That's that's quite an interesting. <laughs> Two years interesting of going first round and, and sinking it into a quarterback. It's, uh, yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know if um, Gettleman's got the balls to do that. 
Well, last year they picked up Andrew Thomas, I believe, who yes. uh, was a right tackle, who's now moved to left tackle because uh, Nate Solder opted out for COVID. Mm-hmm. And they brought in uh, Matthew Pert to play at right tackle. That's like right. a massive fan. So right now they've got a right tackle playing left tackle and a left tackle playing right tackle. Yeah. This is the giant's way. <laughs> uh, both, of them, both of them have done fantastically well, so you can't really moan too much. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, this is it's a real sort of question for the off season because you had Colt McCoy who came in and did you know did a very good job um and when your starting quarterback is being overshadowed by your you know your backup at that point you have to ask yourself a question really those were the games Dave if we look at the standings uh I don't believe there are any change in the AFC all teams stayed as they were albeit obviously a lot have been knocked out of playoff contention in the um NFC though there were three moves in the NFC East, so Washington stayed top, but the Cowboys' win moves them up to second place. It shifts the Giants and Eagles down to third and fourth, respectively. In the NFC North, the Chicago Bears' win over the Vikings moves them above them, so Bears are now in second, and the Vikings are in third. And in the West, the Seahawks' win and the Rams' loss moves them first and second. So Seahawks are now top of the division, Rams are in second, a game ahead of the Cardinals. And obviously, Jets watch their win. Um, and uh, by three points as well means they now have a points differential of just minus 208. Oh, I mean, that's almost level par. Yeah, basically. So it's still two games to go, plenty of time to make that up. Yeah. So now on to the picks, Dave. Uh, last week, it was John that put in the picks. So thank you very much, sir, for doing that. Um, let's just go through. Obviously, we haven't got the Bengal Steelers result, so as much as I want to add it, um, I can't. Um, you should, but, but I, I want to. I really want to, but I don't want to jinx it. So, Did we both go for the Steelers. I'm assuming. We no, did. John went for the Bengals. Oh, don't add it yet. Then don't add it yet. Then <laughs> uh, John got nine out of fifteen. That's a decent. Score. Not That's bad. Not bad. Yeah. Uh, Dave, you got eleven. Ah, you see, this old head. <laughs> uh, you both picked the Raiders to beat the Chargers, and that was an overtime loss. Uh, both picked the 49ers to beat the Cowboys, and that was a comfortable win for the, the Cowboys. And you picked, the, obviously, the Rams to beat the Jets. That because didn't well, work out, as we figured. Because why out. wouldn't you? Exactly. Uh, the ones that... Uh, so, John did get the Bears right over the the Vikings, so that was your... That incorrect one there. I always always um, got the Vikings wrong, always. Yeah. The ones you got right and he got wrong. You picked the Bills to beat the Broncos. He picked the Broncos. Uh, you picked the Bucks over the Falcons. Bucks came back against the Falcons. And you picked the Cardinals over the Eagles. Again, tight game, but uh, Cardinals won that one at home. So, yeah, there we go. Nine and 11. And it means, Dave, that uh, you are now only six points behind with See, two weeks I, to go. If I had spent the Could first five. eight... If I understand that we spent the first eight weeks of the season going against the Steelers just to annoy you, yep. we're in the league by now. Totally <laughs> <laughs> not worth it. Just goes to show. <laughs> that, um, so before we move on from week 15, uh, Dave, your bet for the week, you said the second quarter one came in, but that was part of a bigger bet, wasn't it? Yeah, so it was a fourfold accumulator. Um, mm. So the first one was I broke the cardinal rule and went on a Thursday night game. I said that Darren Waller yep. would score a touchdown. He did. Yeah. And yep. about a million yards as well because it's Darren Waller. 
yeah. then I said that the Broncos were and the Bills would accumulate together to get over 49 and a half points. I mean, the Bills nearly did that on their own. So oh, yeah, yeah. that was obviously a goer. And then I said the Jags, this was the one that um, was a bit as pill to swallow with the Jags and the Ravens would get over 47 and a half points, uh, which they did. Score! I won! Outrageous. Absolutely. I thought, I'm How much did you win, Dave? I'm going to hold it up to the camera and show you. So, £21.37. Yep, yeah, so I put £1.92 on and won the sweetest amount of £21.37. Damn. Yeah, baby. <laughs> if I had gone for any other quarter in that mm. uh, 49ers and Cowboys game, I would have lost. Yep, yep. So, uh, whoever, took, whoever put that bet to you, moron. Hey, genius. That's what it was. Yeah, all right, Dave. You won 2137. Stop showing the phone in my face. All oh, right. I'm winning at something in life. Give me it. You know, it's the only thing I'm ever going to win at. Well, it wasn't just life. Was Well, hang on. We have a fantasy game which isn't quite finished yet. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> you're ahead of me by what is it, 63 points? 60, uh, 63.22, yeah. Yeah, I've still got Big Ben and the Steelers defense to come in. So in their last game, Ben got 30 points, I think, against the Bengals. Yeah. And the defense got 18.36. So I just needed the defense to do twice as well as last time. And Ben did the same as last time. And you, sir, are eating an L. Well... You got so combined last time, eight. So they don't need to do twice as well. So what? Combine last time. If you combine the two performances in the last last time that they played the Bengals, yeah, um, which was in week ten, um, Roethlisberger got thirty points, and the Bengal uh, and the defense got eighteen point three. So that yes. works out at forty eight points. You're only fifty three behind. Now, get, for a quarterback to get thirty 60, points, sixty three. Sorry? 63. I thought you were 53. Oh, you're 63 behind. Okay. For a quarterback to get 30 points is a big deal. It really mm-hmm. is. Um, hmm. For a defense to get 20 points, again, is a very big deal. Let's yeah. be honest. Um, you're an outside bet here. Hope I'm springs quite, I'm eternal, my chances. I'm going to bed sleeping <laughs> easy tonight. Put it that way. <laughs> the first yes. thing I'm doing tomorrow morning is not... Is not going to be looking at fantasy to see if I won. Bet it is. I watched the highlights first, comfortable in the knowledge that Ben can only throw it five <laughs> yards on a quick slant anyway, and then it's up to the receiver. Oh, work. that's ridiculous. Um, but then that'll put me on eight and seven, and you're on seven and eight um, due to me losing my first round pick. And I'm the second highest scorer across all of our league this week, which is also nice. Well done. So, yeah. Well done. And, uh, expect a, a text tomorrow morning about half a state. <laughs> you'll get nothing from me son nothing from me <laughs> alright let's, let's take a break Dave we'll come back for part two yeah welcome back guys to part two of the Jim and the King NFL podcast this is the week 15 review slash week 16 preview we have reviewed week 15 Dave it's time to preview week 16 and to do that we always bank on the uh, the picks so with two weeks to go, Dave, we have a new challenger. And this week, we're very happy to have Packer Tim 
for those that uh, know Tim, he is suffering from a terminal illness and we're, it's kind of a, a miracle that he's still here at the moment. Um, and he is hoping to make the Super Bowl next year. So Tim has very kindly uh, given me his picks for this week, hoping just to smash you, Dave. Yeah. Um, you know, I mean, you, if you were if you were any kind of human, you'd you'd let him do it. I mean, every single week, there's always a fairly good chance of beating me in a way, and this week's no different. <laughs> no, no. But there we go. So yeah, Packer Tim has been able to give me the picks. Uh, we're going to go through the games then for week 16. It starts on Christmas Day, Dave, and that is the Minnesota Vikings at the New Orleans Saints. I mean, you know me. If I go, if I mean, this is a game. This is a game with a bit of beef in it, actually. Um, hmm. When we were off, when we went to the London game to watch. Um, Texans Jags I think it was um we went to watch that game and I got talking to a couple of Saints fans on the train and they started moaning about you know having bad calls and stuff and I went on this whole sort of three minute rant about how Saints fans are idiots and actually it wasn't a bad call and it wasn't pass interference then everyone sat there really awkwardly for the next five minutes (laughs) because I hadn't realized how loud I'd been saying it and yeah it wasn't turns out it wasn't my finest moment um so a bit (laughs) of a grudge match maybe I think I always kind of lean towards the team with the better defense, and that's obviously the Saints. Um, mm. But it's more the fact that every time I go for the Vikings, they get beat. So I, I think I have to go for the Saints. They're just a better all-round team. Um, but every time I don't back the uh, Vikings, they win. Every time I do, they lose. So I expect the Vikings <laughs> exactly. win. <laughs> Tim's also gone for the Saints. It seems like the sensible pick out of the two. You'd think so. I mean, although after Breeze's performance last week, it's anything can happen. So, and also the Vikings did take the Saints out of the playoffs last year. Yeah, as they do every so. year. <laughs> that's what they do every year. <laughs> On Boxing Day, we've got a few games. The first one is the Tampa Bay Buccaneers at the Detroit Lions. Bucks versus Lions. Um, I still don't think Matt Stafford's fit. Um, which has a massive impact. Brady's still old. Brady is still old. I mean, he's never not going to be old. He's not Benjamin Button. He's not getting young. Exactly. Um, he's still going to be old. Uh, Despite the Botox. I think there's, yeah, I think it's it's the Bucks to lose. I don't think um, with an injured Matt Stafford, there's really much opportunity for you to get out of this game. So yeah, I'll have to go for uh, the Bucks on this one. Tim has also gone for the Bucks. So consensus so far. Yep. Then we've got the 49ers at the Cardinals. So it's an NFC West matchup. In the last meeting, the Cards won that game 24 points to 20. I was going to say, I remember the Cards winning the last game, but it was very close. Um, where, where's this one at? Oh, it's in Arizona, isn't it? Obviously. Arizona. Both teams obviously playing in Arizona, yeah. yeah. Um, uh, is it, who class, classified as the home team then? Well, Arizona are the home team. Okay, so I was going to. Were they going to make Arizona go in the away dressing room? That would have been quite interesting because Nana's <laughs> obviously playing there. Uh, okay, I will continue to go for the Arizona Cardinals. Um, it was Tim was gone for the Cardinals. Yeah, yeah it was uh, mentioned that Garoppolo will not be back before the end of the season. Now um, that was reported, mm. so it's still going to continue to be Nick Mullen or Blaine Gabbert for the remainder of the season, or whoever. Uh, CJ Bethard. The third, yeah, whoever. the th- CJ Bethard and Blaine Gabbert. It's the same guy. It's <laughs> well, it's not, but... <laughs> yeah, so whoever the third string's going to be, it's still one of those two. Yeah. 
Uh, next game then on Boxing Day is the Miami Dolphins at the Las Vegas Raiders. Oh, Dolphins. Dolphins have got a defense and they can score. Um, Raiders continue to let everyone down. And do we know who's starting and as quarterback yet? To play as well. Sorry? We don't know if Carr's going to play or Mariota's going to have to play. Well, yeah, that's what I was going to mention. If it, I mean, it doesn't really make a huge amount of difference. I think that the way that Mariota played, I think he proved he's got just as much about him as Carr has. I, I, I still think Carr's pretty good. I still think I'm probably I'm bigger on him than a lot of other people just because I've watched him burners enough times. But um, I think the Dolphins are a more well-rounded unit. So, um, yeah, I fancy the Dolphins on that one. No differences in the pick so far then. Yeah, let's move on to Sunday. Consistent, brilliant. That's what we are. <laughs> yeah, let's move on to Sunday. So the first game there are the Cincinnati Bengals at the Houston Texans. The Bengals are coming off a big win this week. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't. Uh, I can't go for the Bengals because the Bengals are still led by Brandon Land. So I'll go against the Bengals. So you go for the Texans. Yeah. I'm not going right. for Texans. I'm going for Deshaun Watson. That's what I'm going for. <laughs> okay. Marlon uh, Humphrey, Tim so. done that and going for the Texans. Then we've got the Cleveland Browns at the New York Jets. Browns at Jets. Hmm. I wonder. <laughs> um, get stunned last week. I don't care. The Jets aren't going to win this game. Uh, <laughs> Browns. Browns Aww. for 11 win season. I can't believe I'm saying that. No. Okay. Uh, Tim's also gone for the Browns. Then we've got the New York Giants at the Baltimore Ravens. Ravens. No no reason necessary. I think the Ravens. It could be a slip-up game. Um, I think if the Ravens that we know can turn up do, then it should be a formality. Mm. It should be. Um, I'm hoping it's not. Uh, but Tim's also gone for the Ravens. Then we've got the Chicago Bears at the Jacksonville Jaguars. Um, Bears at Jags. Part of me wants the Bears to give them a right good scene to just so the Jags continue to get that first overall spot. I think it would mean Mm. more to the Jags in the long run than it would to the Jets. And that's not me slagging off the Jets. I like the Jets as an organization. Um, I really do. But um, yeah, I'll I'll stick with uh, the Bears on that one. Um, I don't think the, Jet, the Jags have got anywhere near enough to win a, win against the Bears. Halfway through and no difference in the picks so far. Yeah. Uh, which is good for the people because obviously if you don't pick differently then there's no chance of you catching. So that's good. I mean, I'm uh, sick next up, The chances were limited anyway. <laughs> you might only be three behind. <laughs> uh, then we've got the Atlanta Falcons at the Kansas City Chiefs. Falcons against Chiefs. Uh, Chiefs. I mean... The Falcons led by Matt Ryan against the Chiefs. I'd, yeah, no, you have to go with the Chiefs on this one, I'm afraid. Choke job. Yeah. Uh, Chiefs have been picked by Tim as well. Then we've got the Indianapolis Colts at the Pittsburgh Steelers. Um, you guys have been a bit wobbly recently um, after your big loss for the past three weeks. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think... <laughs> no, I'm, I'm going to pick... Uh, you might be right, I don't know. I'm going to pick a bounce-back win for the Steelers. Um, yeah, been a bit rough recently and with a good hiding against the Bengals. I think, I think it's, it's difficult times, but I think you'll bounce back against the Colts. Tim's gone for the Colts. Maybe oh, just okay. have a go. Got one difference. That's, that's We've got a difference. That's good. <laughs> he hasn't lost his sense of humour. <laughs> uh, <laughs> let, 
we've got the Carolina Panthers at the Washington football team. Uh, Washington. The Rivera Bowl. Yes, Washington on that one. Yeah? Yep, 100%. Uh, Chris McCaffrey's still not back. Um, I think the Panthers just look fatigued. Um, I think they're they're looking. You know, there's a football there's a football saying that we have a soccer saying where the, you've already got your sandals on, you're already wearing your flip flops, you're already on the beach in preseason. I yeah, think there's a few Panthers players where I think the same can be said. Guys are on long contracts because they're rookies and they're not. They haven't got the same level of uh, sort of dedication to it as as we've seen from earlier on in the season. So yeah, I yeah, uh, I'll uh, go for Washington on that one. Washington are very much on the up at the moment. We're back to consensus then because Tim's also gone for Washington. Yeah. So Sunday evening games start with the Denver Broncos at the Los Angeles Chargers. In the last meeting between these two AFC West teams, the Broncos won it 31 points to 30. I mean, that one point was huge. (laughs) Um, (laughs) I'm quite looking forward to Drew Locke against Chris Harris. Um, Harris was injured for the game earlier on in the season and now he's back. Uh, yeah, Harris. So there's a. I was I was obviously listening to um, so a few Broncos podcasts, and uh, one of the tactics that uh, the Broncos are definitely going to deploy is having Chris Harris Jr. covering KJ Hamler. Uh, and KJ Hamler, if anyone who doesn't know, is about as quick as uh, you can get in the NFL. He's one of the quickest players in the NFL, and that includes. Uh, our friendly in Kansas. So yeah, I that will be interesting to see. Um but I mean there's no way I'm ever gonna go the uh, Chargers to beat the Broncos. No way I'm ever gonna do that. So obviously go in Denver. Okay. Well we've got another difference then because Tim's gone for the Chargers. Uh the next evening game is the Philadelphia Eagles at the Dallas Cowboys in NFC East matchup. The last time these two faced the Eagles won it twenty three points to nine. Yeah, I'm not going to sort of count much on that result, though, because that was a game where the uh, Cowboys had to start Ben DiNucci. Um, DiNucci! The Dooch. Um, and they dropped him the game afterwards. And since then, they lost mm. a game since that, that defeat. They lost against the Steelers. And am I right in saying that was an overtime defeat or a last-minute defeat? Because it was last-minute, whichever way it was. It was close. It wasn't overtime. It was very close. I remember it being overtime, but it might just be because it was so close at the end. I'm not sure. I don't think we've been to overtime this year. Um, Then they beat the Cowboys after that. They had that horrendous game where they lost to Washington, but that coincided with Washington's real sort of upturn in form. And then in the last two games, they've stuffed the Bengals and the 49ers. So it's a weird situation where two teams who have been absolutely dire this season are both coming into it with a bit of form. Um, look right. at the rest of the roster though you kind of have to side with the Cowboys so I'm going to go with Dallas but it's kind of on protest of my own pick so I'm kind of protesting against my own pick almost um, but I'll go with Dallas It was a week 9 game the Steelers against the Cowboys and it didn't go over to, go to overtime it ended 24-19 Yeah but I remember it, I remember there was the, the video uh, the clip of uh, Ruffersberger on the sideline puffing his cheeks going bloody hell because I remember it was a very close game there was a throw into the end zone and Fitzpatrick uh, intercepted it yeah 
it was it was a much closer game than everyone anticipated, including myself. And I remember So you you going for the Cowboys, no? Yes, I remember you specifically saying that you played down to them as well. Um, yes. Because they were not a good team at that point. No. They're much better now though. Much, much better. So you're going for the Cowboys? Going for the Cowboys this week, yep. Tim is going for the Eagles, so another difference. Good. Lovely. Jalen Hurts rolling on there. Then the last Sunday evening game is the LA Rams at the Seattle Seahawks. The last time these two NFC West teams face each other, the Rams won it 23-16. to Yeah, but the last time the Rams played, they lost to the Jets. Um, yes. <laughs> now, great teams, whenever they Stinger. lose, Whenever, whenever they lose to, whenever they lose badly, because there's losses and then there's losses, and this was a yeah. bad loss. And any great team, whenever they lose badly, they come out the next week and they are devastatingly good. This mm-hmm. and they're playing against another playoff team who they know well. They know well. Um, so this is think is going to tell us a lot about the Rams. What are the Rams and how are they going to figure for the rest of the year? So I think this is going to tell us quite a lot. Um, the, it's not been too long since Seattle lost to the Giants as well so I, I really don't know <laughs> I really really don't know um, it's in Seattle so I'm going to go Seattle okay Tim's gone for the Rams okay good so although the first half of these picks all went the same way we've got some difference in the evening okay. excellent Yeah. the Sunday night game is the Tennessee Titans at the Green Bay Packers the Titans will bully the Packers. I think the Packers are a better team, rounded, um, but I think the Titans will just bully them and batter them, and they will utterly dominate the line of scrimmage. Um, okay, so I'm going to go with the te- I'm going to go with the Titans. Weren't you lauding the Packers' offensive yeah. line during their review? Yeah, you know, absolutely. I think the offensive line is great at creating space and really sort of dominating bad teams. And this is exactly what I said about the Packers. I think the Packers are one of those teams who will annihilate a bad team and make a bad team look really ordinary. But when they come up against someone who's hot and someone who's in form and someone who can really dominate the line of scrimmage, they will they will struggle. And I think the Titans are one of the teams who dominate the line of scrimmage from a physical perspective as well as anyone in the league. I think... They really struggled last year when you had the 49ers who did exactly the same thing. And I think the Texans and uh, the Titans and the 49ers and the way they do it is fairly similar. So I think it's a bad matchup for the for the Packers. The Packers are going to have to be special to win this game. Yeah, I mean, and also the Achilles heel for the Packers is the run game. And of course, Derek Henry is going to be lining up for the Tennessee Titans. Yeah, I'd hate to be playing him in that <laughs> this week. <laughs> Tim was uh, 50-50 on this game. He didn't want to make a choice, but I told him to, to go with his heart and, and pick the Packers. So he's, uh, he's gone with the Packers on that one. You got another difference. Monday... Yeah. Yeah, another difference. The Monday night game is the Buffalo Bills, the AFC East champions, at the New England Patriots, former AFC East champions forever. The last time these two met, the Bills won it 24-21. So are they sweeping the Patriots this year? There's no way I'm looking at history to tell me what is going to happen in this game. <laughs> um, the Bills are significantly better. The Broncos have beaten the Patriots once this season already, and the Bills have just swept us aside like we were nothing. So, yeah, I don't see any way in which the Bills are going to win this. Uh, the Bills aren't going to win this one. Okay, so Tim's also gone for the Bills. Yeah. So there we go. Those are the picks for the week. 
I'm looking forward to these bits. I mean, some of these look fairly obvious, but as we just saw with the Rams and the Jets, there's nothing obvious in the NFL. Yeah. There's, there's going to be one result this week that's going to really put a spanner in the works and loads and loads of people are going to end up um, end up getting their accumulator busted by a result that should never have happened. So with that, Dave, we better go on to the bets. Yes. So have you? what have you done for this week? Um, so I've decided this week I'm going to win uh, another bet. <laughs> right. than doing my usual job of losing. So what I've decided is that uh, basically I've done a, I think, five or six leg accumulator. Um, so the highest scoring half between the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and the Detroit Lions will be the second half, not the first. And surprisingly, I got evens on that. Uh-huh. I mean, that's just giving money away because there's always more points scored in the second half than there is the first, surely. Okay. Uh, and I've got the Dolphins to beat the Raiders. Um, yeah. I've got 53 and a half points between the Falcons and the Chiefs, which when you actually do the maths means it's got a, they've based, both teams have got to score more than 26 each. Which feels doable, right? I mean, hmm. the Chiefs could score fifty-three on their own. Uh, I've got the Browns <laughs> to beat the Jets, um, playing a bit risky. Dangerous bet. Um, I've got the Broncos and the Chargers to bang up more than forty-eight points, which means that both teams have to score more than twenty-four, which again feels doable. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then the Bills to beat the Patriots. So this gives me odds of just over 20 to 1. Um, Bloody hell. Yep, and I've stuck on 30 pounds. You haven't. No, I haven't. I've put two quid on. (laughs) (laughs) Dave, that is never you. No one one listens to this podcast (laughs) would ever believe that you stuck on more than two pounds on a bet. So 30. You put a fiver on once, didn't you? Uh, I think I put a fiver on once and I got the sweats and like cashed out pretty soon after. So yeah, no, two pounds uh, and it will return 40 pounds and 21 pence. Um, I don't have an update as to where we are at the moment, but that's one, that's on my to-do list. I mean, that's your job. I know. No, I've been super, super busy uh, with work and that lot. So uh, um, I've got a fairly good idea where I am. I think I'm around about 28 quid, I think. Um, but yeah, I'll do a bit of admin this week and I will have an update for the next pod. Well, I've got about 14 pounds in my, um, pocket. So I think I'm around 14 pounds. <laughs> <laughs> I've taken three of those gold coins and I've put them onto a 16 acre, um, no points cobblers, just uh, straight wins for the <clears throat> Miami Dolphins, Kansas City Chiefs, Chicago Bears, Cleveland Browns. Baltimore Ravens and Philadelphia Eagles. Oh, the Eagles one's one that I've gone against in the picks. Okay, that's interesting. I need to nudge it up a little bit. So yeah, a good way to do it then, because the Eagles are going to be second favourites against the Cowboys. So a good way to do that is to do the point spread. Yeah, because when you're going for the losing team, you don't get that much difference. Uh, I've got to keep it simple for the listeners, Dave. Not really. I mean, everyone don't overcomplicate it. All right, it's it's harder for me to keep track of this. Everyone who out there has a go on, uh, as a go at betting, kind of gets the whole spread thing. I mean, I'm relatively new to it. I mean, every time I mention it to someone, they're like, "Oh yeah, I get it straight away." I'm like, mm, "Okay, I'm a convert. I'm a convert to it." <laughs> yeah, I know you are. Um, so yeah, that's got odds of just over five to one. So I will get nineteen pounds and three pence should those six games come in. 
I mean, good luck. Never, I've never yeah, I I want I need Cowboys it. to win quite as much as they do now. Lord, I need it. Um, and last but not least, Dave, uh, the fantasy games for this week coming. Uh, I'm playing joint top and I'm going to get murdered. That's basically the way to <laughs> <it>. <laughs> oh, I'm playing Philly Sai this week. And now, Philly Sai's team, I've got to take sort of umbrage with his team. He has got not only the best team in our league, he has got potentially the best fantasy team I've ever seen. He's got Josh Allen, okay. but Josh Allen, the quarterback, who's fifth overall in terms of rank and fairly consistent. He's not one of those quarterbacks who just blows out one week and is great the next week. He's got Derek Henry, who scores 500 points a game. Then he's mm-hmm. got um, James Robinson, who is the fourth overall ranked quarterback. Undrafted. Picked him up in the 11th round or might have even been free agency or whatever it was. Probably Adam free agency Thielen, after week one. Adam Thielen, who's the sixth ranked wide receiver. Michael Gallup, as good as Jefferson, though. when he plays, is so dangerous. But he's had a few games out of injury this year. Um, <laughs> but in the past few weeks, he's done, he's done pretty well. Um, and then he's got uh, TJ Hawkinson. Hawkinson's a fourth ranked tight end. He's got the Browns defense who, pass rush-wise, they've been scoring points for fun lately. So, yeah, fantasy-wise, he is superb. The problem is he's come up against a few teams who have had... St- absolutely stonking games and he's lost on big big points so yeah he has got quite possibly one of the best um fantasy teams i've seen in years so uh yeah good luck this week because uh, you are definitely <laughs> going to need it well, if, if i beat him i'll get the same record as him so you know that's yes. the way that no, that's, the, that's the other thing that's what's amazing um you know, he won he's actually two games ahead of you now because you lost this week believe it or not i know you don't want to accept that loss yet but you will <laughs> it's not over it is it is over um and he won this week so <laughs> he's actually going to be on uh nine and six and you're going to be on mm. seven and eight. so two games behind unfortunately yeah um before we sign up that, that is that is the pod then dave yeah i'm not going to rise to that um Bit of breaking news for us is that five-time Pro Bowl linebacker and Steelers legend Kevin Green has passed away at the age of just 58. Um, yeah, one of the best uh, Steelers defenses featured Kevin Green heavily. Uh, so, yeah, sad news there. Uh, we'll be back, obviously, next week after Christmas uh, to review Week 16 and look at the last regular season week uh, for the 2020-2021 season and look ahead, obviously, to the playoffs because they're still happening despite COVID. Um, so, yeah, I don't know what time we're going to, what day we're going to be doing it, because obviously um, Christmas is going to interrupt all of our plannings and all of our uh, dates. But hopefully around Tuesday next week, Dave, I don't know about you. To fix be, yeah, yeah, after Boxing Day. I'm sure we'll find some time to do it. Uh, then before New Year's. So hopefully everyone has a good Christmas, even the ones that are stuck in lockdown like us and can't go anywhere. Um, just keep listening to Jim and the King NFL podcasts. You can go to jimandtheking.com um, or you can check us out on Twitter at Jim and the King or at DenverDave30 or NFL Fan Support. Um, yeah. And yeah, if you want to give um, some shout outs to Tim, then please do so. We'll be for sure to pass those on. Until next week, though, guys, I've been Jim. That's been Denver Dave, and Thank you so much for listening. Merry Christmas, everyone.